If you've lost your vision, your energy, or your mojo, then this show is for you. Whether it's your health, career, relationships, it's time to reclaim and discover your best life yet. Award-winning journalist and TV host Gail Guayardo will touch, move, and inspire you in this entertaining, fast-paced, and informative podcast. Gail has helped thousands of people achieve massive, life-changing transformations. So here's your host, Gail Guayardo. So my next guest is a really interesting one. Writing songs with Garth Brooks' daughter, her songs inspire, and now she's hoping that her written word will too. You know, in the world of chaos and commotion that we're living in right now, my next guest hopes that her book reflects a chance for pause that's necessary to give us the time to reflect and find hope. I'm super excited uh, to welcome a, a fellow Tampa native, Melissa Bolea Rowe to share her story of how her pause really changed her life. Melissa, welcome to the Bloom Bonus Podcast. And as you know, uh, our tagline is your story, your health, your best life. And I want to start with your story. Well, thank you so much, Gail. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to talk about these things. Um, and I'm just, I'm just honored to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. So before we take a deep dive into your book, which I have read and I absolutely love, you know, to your point, I know you were on our, our nationally syndicated show Bloom and you said it's a quick read and I'm super busy mom and here at work and it, you're right. It is a, it's a quick and, and wonderful read. But before we dive into that, I just want to talk a little bit about um, you and 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 your backstory. Tell me about being a singer songwriter and actually working with Garth Brooks' daughter. I know that's just one of the many highlights. It's very exciting. It is one of the many highlights, and I like to refer to uh, Music City as Magic City because I truly believe with my whole heart that it is such a neat town, and there's opportunity there for everyone. Um, there's so many songwriters. It's just the mecca, sort of like New York or LA. Nashville is a music mecca. So you know, I tease people all the time, and it might be a little harsh when I say it, but I tell them uh, if you're not making it you're not trying because there really is opportunity. And of course, it's always, we all have individual definitions of what success is. And I'm a big advocate of celebrate everything um, because whether it is a, a major artist or an indie artist, if they have decided that they like something that I've put out to the world, music that I've written, and they're going to release it and cut it, I'm super honored and I don't treat any of them differently. And so um, speaking of Garth's daughter, Allie Colleen, who is super talented in her own right, I mean, of course, she's got this famous father, but she genuinely has it in her bones and she's very talented. She's a super neat girl. And one of the crazy things that happened for me in Nashville and sort of my journey into Nashville was I didn't really start into Nashville at a time where I was actually able to get in with the big legends like the Keith Urbans and the Garth Brooks. But what did happen was what I like to call music royalty babies where their kids came along. <laughs> and so a lot of them passed through our doors and our office in Nashville. I have a little boutique publishing company called Rhyme Partners. And so Allie Colleen is one of them that we've written with and Johnny Lee's daughter, um, 
who also her mother was on Dallas. Uh, what's her name? Char- Charlene Tilton. Uh, Charlene Tilton and Johnny Lee. Can you believe it? Like their child, uh, Cherish Lee, um, is a super talented artist. And we've got songs with her. We've written with uh, William Golden's son, Chris Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys. And so it, and, and Hank William Jr.'s daughter, Hillary Williams. And so it just kind of it's, it's a really neat thing. I'm like, wow. So we entered into the decade of the music royalty babies and written with a lot of those up and coming artists. So yeah, um, Allie and I got together and wrote a song called Road You Take. And it's literally about forgiveness. The, the entire line is forgiveness ain't a line you cross. It's a road you take. And it just, I'll tell you a little bit of insight as a songwriter. When you go into a room to write with an artist, Uh, typically, you know, you'll get something good, but the difference in whether or not they're actually going to end up cutting it is, is it a time where it's connected to them? You know, they're, they're being authentic most of the time with things they're putting out and stories that they're telling. And it just so happened that it was a time when she was about to release a song called No One Breaks a Heart Like a Best Friend. And it's an amazing song. And when we actually finished writing um, Forgiveness Ain't a Line You Cross, It's a Road You Take, she said to me, you know, this is going to sound really strange, but it's almost like the sequel to No One Breaks Your Heart Like a Best Friend. So fast forward, she plays a song for her team, wink, wink, and maybe her dad, I don't know, (laughs) wink, wink. But the word I got was that they all loved the song and they thought she should put it out. So what she did was she did like a mini album. She released No One Breaks Your Heart Like a Best Friend and Forgiveness Ain't a Line You Cross. It's a road you take. And she released the two songs together as a single. So that was pretty exciting. And they tell a story. So for anybody interested in that, I'd recommend you listen because um, those songs were really authentic to her. And that always translates really well. Yeah. And that that's your gift as a songwriter is, you know, to bring out that authenticity and to help people, you know, find a way to sing their truth. And, you know, it, it brings me to the fact that you kind of pivoted along the way uh, to write your book. God, gratitude, and and giving. So, you know, at what point did you, as a Tampa native who traveled to Nashville and worked with incredible artists and, and wrote alongside them and helped them create music and helped them bring words to life, at what point in your life did you say, you know, I need to do this on my own? Well, in terms of the book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So the book was sort of a process within the process. So what happened was um, I moved out to Nashville about 15 years ago and it wasn't all pretty. I actually struggled for quite a while and I had been, as you said, born and raised in Tampa and I'd waited quite a while to get to Nashville. Um, I have one son and I had him young and I raised him and I wanted to be in Nashville for the longest time, but I didn't want to selfishly move there. I thought in my heart, because my son's family was all in Tampa. So I waited um, till my mid thirties when he was a senior in high school. And then I made that leap. So I moved out there and I, you know, I had been cultivating relationships, but really I was pretty green to be honest with you. Like, you know, I learned everything very organically, a lot of hard work. Um, but I also struggled quite a bit to kind of get into the industry and to make a living. Um, and so there were some times where I had always, well, I was part of my, 
worship team while I was in Tampa for many, many years. And um, the, so my faith has always been important to me. And um, but when I moved to Nashville, I hadn't found a worship team or, or a church unit there. Um, but I, so I'd always spend my time in meditation and my quiet time with God, which, you know, I talk about in the first chapter. I, I say that this chapter is going to talk a lot about silence because I feel like that's where I, I meet God. And that's where I feel my oneness. And and, and so um, one day in that quiet time, these three words were actually presented to me at a time when I was struggling. I was going through a lot of depression, anxiety, worry, fear, you name it. I was experiencing it. And when the words were laid on my heart, I knew at some point that I would share this. I kind of instantly knew how profound they would be. And I knew the message right away was that if I would begin to incorporate God, my silent time, um, gratitude, being grateful and giving every day, all day, that there would literally be no time for the usual anxiety, worry, fear, that I think we just, I mean, I want to say we kind of naturally do it. I don't, I think we have to sort of train ourselves to um, replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. But when you do, and when you realize the impact, I can just tell you that it's phenomenal. I mean, I can say that almost every part of where I am today, um, you know, is an, is because of God, gratitude, and giving. So while I had been doing it for many years, I just got to a place where it felt like it was time for me to tell that story. And the reason that I kept it short, Gail, is, you know, just as raw and as vulnerable as I feel when I'm putting out a three-minute song, it was the same way for me writing this book. I knew that I wanted to share my personal experiences but I didn't want to preach to anybody. And I knew by putting the big word God out there <laughs> that some people might come for me, you know, but I thought it was really important. And like you said, and why you do this podcast and why I have so much respect for everything that you do is because we all have something to give. I really believe that we all have something to give. And this is in addition to my songwriting, my something to give. And so I included in the book journal pages. You know, you were very transparent um, at the beginning of your book because, you know, to your point, um, God, putting God in, in the title of the book, you know, may carve out um, some readers or some people that would reach for the book. But you were very open and transparent in your um, in your book and in the, in the opening chapters that... You know, it, it doesn't have to be a religious God. It can just be, you know, the God that, that you speak to. And I think that that, I think that that's really compelling because people do have different beliefs and, you know, who is your God? Like, who are you talking to outside of your own head? And I think that um, a lot of us feel, don't realize that we are not alone when we have this constant dialogue, this constant conversation in our head. And that that can take away, if you just, to your point, sit silent, you know, there's so much more to hear than maybe the anxiety, the stress, and the negativity. Yes, it's true. And, and I joke about in the book when I talk about 
because I, again, I just wanted to express what I experienced. And I joke about the fact that it takes a while um, before you can really get still and silent because we all just have so much going on in our heads. I mean, we, we, we can try to get silent and then we instantly remember something we have to do and want to jump up and write it down or go do it. Or so, you know, or you can just, you can fall asleep, <laughs> you know, so I talk about, I talk about those things and it just, it takes practice. But when you get into that, I'm going to call it like, um, the gap, like that space between your thoughts. Um, I feel like that is a place where uncertainty becomes certain, like confusion becomes clear, you know, things that you've committed to, you suddenly have clarity on and you're like, I should have said no long before I said yes. And again, it won't solve all your problems immediately, but like everything else, you know, if you, if you work out every single day, the result's going to be a buff body, <laughs> you know, <laughs> go into silence every single day and you finally get into that space one or two times, then, you know, you go back and you go back there. It's amazing how clear, I guess would be the word, things in your life start to become. And it it doesn't solve everything, but it certainly makes a tremendous difference, I found. And then you combine that with finding things to be grateful for daily. And I talk about that too in my book, because I think, you know, on the surface, we can all say like, oh, you know, I'm grateful for my job. I'm grateful for my house. You know, the things that you you know, you would, you would expect someone to say, but you really don't know that, you know, you wouldn't expect maybe someone to say, I'm really grateful for this person that showed up at Publix today to work so that I could buy my groceries and, you know, I could walk through their checkout line. But when you realize that there are so many things to be grateful for, you, you almost can't get to all of them. So therefore you don't have time <laughs> to be ungrateful, you know, and, and I'm not suggesting that we don't feel the things that make us sad or, you know, uh, get upset about things. You know, that's, that's natural, but it's unnatural when we get stuck there uh, because I feel like, you know, we were given this magnificent brain, but you know, it has a tape to play and it's the tape that you give it. And so we just have to understand that if we change that tape, things will start to shift in our life in a real tremendous way. Yeah. I, 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 I did love the gratitude um, chapter a lot, it, you know, because to your point, there are so many, of course, like you said, the house, you know, my children, my amazing husband, all things, big things uh, to be, to be grateful for, but there are little things every day that we forget to, that how great, you know, how lucky we are or, you know, what a game changer it is in our life to, to have that. So I, I love the gratitude part. Now talk to me about the chapter of giving. So giving, I, I, I mentioned in there that I zeroed in on that word right away when that happened to me that day. And one of the reasons was, um, if you know me personally, you know, that giving is my favorite thing. It's something I just naturally feel compelled to do. And if you can believe it, I've had to even, you know, um, watch myself on the giving side of things. It's just a place that I feel very comfortable. So the holidays are an amazing time for me. Um, but I talked about, giving in ways that didn't have to be financial. Cause at the time, one of the ways of giving, because at the time I remember thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm struggling right now. I'm, 
you know, getting by on after paying all my bills, 20 bucks for the week, how am I going to give, you know, but when I started realizing that there were so many incredible ways to give that did not involve financial giving, although there is that too. And I love to send my friends when they don't expect it. And they're just having a hard day because of hello technology that we can be so grateful for, you know, a coffee from Starbucks or something like that. There's always that there's also a lot of power in just sending a silent prayer to a stranger. And I joke about this the book because I say sometimes you've got to be careful if you're looking at someone because I am quite sure that we're not wired to think, um, oh, that person is sending me a prayer right now. We're probably thinking, what are they looking at? Why are they judging me? (laughs) Right? You know, do I have mustard on my shirt? Um, So I have to be careful about that. But um, I cannot express to you when I first started doing that, the energy behind that. saying a, a silent prayer for strangers that just, well, to this day, will not have any idea. But we all know that energy is real. We all know that you can walk into a room <laughs> full of tension and you can feel it, you know, so it's really no different when you're putting out that type of positive energy. So I talk about that. You know, I talk about um, genuinely complimenting people, genuinely being aware of opportunities to just smile at people because, um, and not that people do it on purpose. And I even say it in my book, not that I'm the smile police, you know, but you'll notice, right. When people walk by you and they've kind of missed an opportunity for a smile and that kind of thing. So not, not to be super weird about that, but, Um, when you do it, it just makes a huge difference. And then I talk about time being one of uh, the most valuable things I feel you can give to someone. So it doesn't go by me, um, Gail, that you've decided to interview me today and give me some of your time. I think time is the most valuable gift that we give to people. And so that can work both ways. You can notice when people are not willing to give you their time and that can be hurtful. And so I even expressed, you know, a story with my my own brother in that regard. And I don't necessarily mean that, you know, when I tell the story that, you know, my brother, um, it's all about interpretation too, right? But uh, one of the things that I am big on is time because in the scope of this big universe we live in, where we know that dinosaurs lived millions and millions of years ago, I really feel like we are here for such a short time. And I know a lot of times we think we don't have time, but I kind of think it's more how we choose to spend our time. And so um, there's many times where I'll think to myself, I don't have time to do this, but I just schedule it because I know that I'll never really think that I have the time to get it done or I never really will carve out. I just need to go ahead and, you know, in regards to spending time with nieces, nephews, family members, can't say yes to everything, but I definitely am conscientious about where I give my time and I'm passionate about pouring into giving because don't feel like I have, you know, a lot of time here and I just want to do my best in this world um, to do good. (laughs) I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that, you know, you've expressed yourself um, through working alongside, you know, popular musicians that you took your time to write a book, which, which truly was a lovely, lovely read. 
And, um, and I have to tell you, just to kind of bring it all into perspective, I, I tucked your book away. I was going to sit with my father-in-law because my mother-in-law had to leave for a family emergency and he was under the weather. And I just sat out on, a, on the couch, just reading through a, a, a terrible thunderstorm here in Tampa, Florida. If you've ever been to our yeah. neck of the woods, you know, we get some doozies that flood <laughs> and, uh, and uh, my husband couldn't come to pick me up because he was stuck in a flooded area. And, we, and I just read your book and it, it really gave me um, so much peace and tranquility and a change in perspective. So um, I, I thank you for that gift of giving it to me. And, and thank you for the gift of your time of joining me for this Bloom Bonus podcast. And I appreciate you coming on our show headquartered here in Tampa. And I hope you can come back soon. Oh, I would love to. Thank you so much for having me, Gail. All right. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Thank you. That's it for today's episode of Your Story, Your Health, Your Best Life with Gail Guayardo. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a $25,000 value private VIP day with Gail herself. Be sure to head on over to your story, your health, your best life podcast.com and pick up a free copy of Gail's gift and join us on the next episode.